This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Last year, Mark Durand was embedded for six weeks with the team of surgeons and their support staff at the British military base in Afghanistan, Camp Bastion. Life in Conflict is the title of the Darwin Lecture he gave about his observations and experiences. An impact of that harrowing lecture with its shocking imagery, two people fainted and were taken to hospital, others simply walked out. In his first seven days at Camp Bastion, he saw 174 casualties brought into the hospital. Six were dead. The surgical team operated for 134 hours and performed 23 amputations. Reader in Strategy and Organisation at Cambridge Judge Business School, Dr. Durand says ethnography is the written account of fieldwork, which in his view is best carried out in the old-fashioned way of trying to understand teams by living with them under similar conditions. So, how did the study at Camp Bastion come about? So the idea of going to Camp Bastion came from my overall interest in trying to understand how people continue to coordinate in very difficult circumstances. So when the pressure gets on, do they become more clear-headed? Do they go for default responses, as is often the case in human nature? What do people get up to in extreme environments? And the assumption I'm making, which may well be a wrong one, is that um, if you put people under pressure collectively you're able to see the same sort of tensions that might exist in teams in ordinary life, but in a way that's slightly exacerbated. So the world becomes a bit more black and white. And that's why I like studying teams in that context. Can Bastion seem like a, a good idea? I dread about them. I dread about the medics and what they get up to and the, the kind of pressures they're under. And I thought, well, if I could have my way, the magic wand, that'd be the one team I would love to spend some time with. So what did you hope to achieve at the outset? I wanted to try and understand what makes for a very effective team in the very difficult circumstances and the opposite of that. And so what allows some teams to be more effective, better at coordinating when things get difficult than other teams. Did you go out there with a blank slate or did you go out with some preformed ideas, some preconceptions? In an ideal world, you go in with a blank slate, uh, but we're human beings, which means that we, we bring our own preconceptions and prejudices to, to the field. Uh, and I'm no exception to that. Um, I try to prepare myself as well as I could for the language they speak, the kind of conversations they might have by reading up on the medical literature, reading biographies, autobiographies of surgeons, people that had either practiced in an ordinary NHS-type hospital or out in the field. And that will have given me some expectations as to what I might expect. But you know, the overriding rationale was to try and understand the kind of language they might be using uh, a little bit better from day one so as to hit, hit the ground running. But irrespective of that, I mean, whatever environment you go into, you, you'll never be as clean as a newborn baby. You'd love to be, but you, you're not. We are what we are. And I think key is for us to be aware of the kind of preconceptions we may bring to the field, to be very, very clear about this. And so what I do, um, which helps me a great deal, is to keep uh, not only a field diary, but also keep head notes or a head diary. So on one page, I write down literally what I observe, and I try to record it even verbatim where I can, on the other page, typically, or a different diary, I might write down what it is I'm thinking about at the time, what I dream about. Because even what I dream about, particularly when I take the form of anxiety dreams, they may give me um, a sense as to where I might need to be very careful in looking at my data to make sure that what I attribute to you, if, if you're the one I'm observing, is actually uh, really part of you and not something that happens to be part of me that I'm simply superimposing 
on yourself. It's called countertransference, but, but it's something you need to be very, very careful, uh, careful about. Let's get into what you actually learned. I mean, were there any surprises? Yes, I think I was surprised to see how unstable surgical teams become when there isn't enough work to go around. They are the most effective teams that I think I've ever seen anywhere when a casualty comes in. A typical casualty nowadays is a, is a bilateral amputee. So with both legs gone, often the, the groin area will be open as well. These are very serious injuries. And these people will bleed out if you don't intervene very, very quickly. And I can't see how you could possibly better the teams that I've seen because they're very, very good. The problem is when sometimes days go by and not much comes in, which is good news because it means the boys are safe. It's bad news for the surgeons because there's nothing much else to do aside from doing a bit of fitness. And these are people that are programmed to work hard and they find it very difficult to sit still. And so they then have a tendency to become reflective, reflective about the war, reflective about the relative futility of a lot of the work that they do, particularly with local nationals, Africans that they treat. A lot of people coming into the, into the hospital are not all soldiers. They tend to be uh, local nationals, and many of them are children. And these are people that you treat up to a certain point to hand them over to a local hospital, where invariably many of them won't fare well. And we know that because the local standard of health care is so much lower in Afghanistan generally, even in the best hospitals, than it is in Bastion. Bastion is only a 50-bed hospital. We need to keep those beds free for the, for the soldiers. And so you find surgeons become quite reflective for the fact that actually they do a lot of work for people that probably won't survive anyway, simply by virtue of handing them over to a local health care system they can also become very critical, not only of their own work, but of the work of people around them, because they now have time to think about those sorts of issues. They may intervene with each other's patients. And so I think I was surprised by the fact that high-performance teams can show you the best of two worlds when things get difficult. These are the people you'd want to have around, but also the worst of that world, which means they become very, very difficult to manage if there's nothing, if, if, if there's not enough work to go around. And that's politically not politically very difficult situation because if you recommend that a hospital do away with some of their headcount, some of their capacity, what if a helicopter comes down and you need all the surgeons to be on the spot? And so politically you need the kind of capacity they have at the moment. The problem is that you then also, from a management perspective, you've got to understand how to deal with a relative sense of futility and how to deal with boredom. Uh, and that is or can be a real struggle for people in charge. What are the other things that you discovered? The experience in Bastion reminded me of a problem that we often find in organisations, which is a lack of psychological safety, uh, meaning that if I'm the most junior person in the room, that I should be able to speak out and say, you know what, let's stop this, or let's take a time out. Something isn't quite right, and here's what I think we ought to do, and here's why. And take a risk, I might actually be wrong. Now, the stakes in Camp Bastion are so high that I would expect these places to be perfectly safe psychologically. And I think they're probably a lot safer than our NHS hospitals, but they're not as safe as I thought they would be, meaning that there were still people that somehow worried about the, the consequences of speaking out when, retrospectively, they felt they, they, they should have done. It's a very common phenomenon in most organisations, because most organisations aren't very safe psychologically. We've got plenty of evidence for this. I think I had expected less evidence of a place being psychologically not as safe as it, it could or should be in the operating theatres in Bastion. Are there any takeaways that you can, you can say can be picked up and used in, in a business or on an organisational management system? I think, frankly, a lot of people we deal with, a lot of people we teach are bored people. You know, boredom is not just a function, as I just explained, of, um, of not having enough work to do. You can be bored and have lots of work to do. You're simply bored because the work you do isn't meaningful. 
and frankly, a lot of people I think that I, uh, gosh, that I teach almost on a, a weekly, if not almost a daily basis, are people that, that tend to be very well off with good careers in the legal profession, in professional services, uh, in industry. And they're, I think, very bored people by and large. Bored primarily because they've got lots of stuff to do, but it isn't particularly meaningful in any way they can see. Mark Durand, thank you. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Thank you.